dark days for the Goliverse. A technological terror. Star Wars reference. Erased a decade's worth of geekdom. Meanwhile, fans lash out at one another as they find themselves divided by differing opinions. Only morons think Ewoks are better than Jedi is the most important then, in the darkness, a voice breaks through the cacophony of trolls, whiners, and Twilight fans. We can geek out together. One upload at a time, the light breaks through. And like a comic book character who dies and returns two issues later, the safe place to geek out returns. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. I know it's been a long time. I don't have a song for it, but th that's. But I know. I know it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Okay, now I have to find a song. Um, it's been a long time since I rock and roll. That's a good one. It's been a long time since I did a stroll. Let me get back, let me get back, let me get back. Baby, where I come from. Whoa, oh, yeah. It's been a long time, been a long time, been a long, lonely, 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 lonely time. What's up? I'm Steve Glosson. Glad to be along with you on your safe place to geek out. And it's just been so long. And it's as we're recording this live, it is late. I get that it's late here um, in the Eastern Time Zone. For some of you, uh, it's not so much late uh, as it is, um, you know, just evening. And that's fine. That's fine. Some of you are listening to this on your morning commute. Hello. Hadn't done this in a while. Hello, future people. Um, it's just, let me tell you something. No one... All you married people owe me an apology. You really do. As I drink water right into the microphone. For years and years and years. Kind of went into Kermit the Frog there. For years and years, we've been trying to bring you all types of entertainment. Um, for years. <laughs> it's been, uh, you know, I I've looked at you guys and you're like, oh, you got to get married. You should totally get married, Stephen. Steven, you should totally get married. Marriage is the best. You should get married. And look, I want to tell you something. I am looking forward to getting married because I feel like once we've got the the wedding and the moving and the settling in out of the way, it's going to be great. I am really looking forward to being married. I truly, truly am. Um, I have found the one my soul loves, and I am absolutely thrilled to be getting married. But I got to tell you something. 
we're doing a really small, simple wedding. And keeping it simple has been quite the challenge. Um, not to mention, you've got two grown people who have their own, who had intact their own lives and everything. And we are both upsetting our lives to merge those lives together. And it takes a lot of time and energy and effort and work. So, uh, so as much as I've had to say, and as much as I've wanted to talk about some different things, I, there's just been no time, no time at all. It's crazy. And, you know, meanwhile, I, no one's emailing. So like no one cares that it's been a long time. But then I look over on the old Facebook, the Goliverse, the Guardians of the Goliverse Facebook page. If you're not a part of that, please join up now over on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, uh, a lot of good people over there, a lot of different types of dis discussion that goes on, that goes on. And we have a great time over there. So, um, in fact, uh, GIF Uno is at 2,400 comments, I guess is how it goes. 200,000, no, 2,400 comments, 2.4 thousand comments. And, um, and people are still playing GIF Uno. And what would be fun if someone had the time is to go back and, uh, and, and see how many gifts were repeated. If you have that kind of time on your hand, I would like to hire you on as an unpaid intern for the Goliverse. Um, so I don't know what I'd have you do right now, but you know, we we'll figure something out and, uh, you know, you can take a load off of, uh, you can take a load off of my, um, my life will be great. It'll be good times. It'll be so much fun. Um, we got a lot to talk about in this episode, a lot that I'm excited about. And, and that's one of the reasons that I've wanted to do a Geek Out Loud is because there has been a lot happen in the old world of geeking, geeking, geeking out of geekdom, I should say. And, um, and we, uh, we haven't had a chance to discuss it and it's, it's kind of broke my heart a little bit. It's kind of just kind of, it's, it's stung. It's stung. Um, so, <laughs> hey, and also, if we have time tonight, we're going to open up the phone lines for you, the Goliverse listener. We've got a new number, so you'll have to tune in for that. Let me tear the old number down off the wall. That's no good to me anymore. You're dead to me, old number. Um, so there's that. I can't promise we'll take calls because there is so much to get to that I want to get to that, um, that I don't know, but it's just an idea I had. This whole thing is really just thrown together at the last minute because I know there are things I want to talk about and I'm not getting there. And I feel like I'm being boring right now because I'm trying to do a couple of other things as they pop into my head um, to get going. And so far, I'm I'm really, I feel like we should start over. This is not good. One take Glosson is, is falling down on the job. Granted, it's been a long day. It's, um, it's after 1130. And, um, and so there's that. But here we are, geeking out loud together. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Steve Glosson. That's my reset, for those of you that don't know. And uh, and I thank you so much for joining us, for downloading this, for listening. And to our Patreon supporters, thank you so much. Uh, wow, you guys, We right now we have, we're at 128 uh, Patreon supporters. And I thank you so very much for being a part of Patreon, those of you who are. We'd love to, by the end of October, get to that 135 mark. 
And uh, if you're able to, let me tell you what we've got going right now. We are in the process of rebuilding the Goloverse Wall of Fame, brick by brick, so that we can get your name out there to the public to let them know who you are and what your superpower is. Uh, we have added the Forceology course for $2 a month. Uh, Shaz and I once a month, Shaz Bazaar from Techno Retro Dads and I once a month, what we do is, is we talk, uh, we talk Star Wars and, um, and we talk, what we're talking specifically is we're going film by film and discussing exactly what we learn from each movie about the force. We, and we're doing it in release order. So we began with the original trilogy Coming this month is Forceology 203. We're in the 200 level, which is the prequel trilogy, and we'll be discussing Revenge of the Sith with a surprise um, uh, kind of take on some things that that uh, good friend and Patreon supporter and friend Lucas Butler uh, told me about. I, let me let me just talk about Lucas real quick. If you like Star Wars toys and you want a fun community to interact with. Look for Lucas Toys on Facebook. Uh, Lucas is, if you remember the the story of me uh, finding Episode Eight toys in the in the toy hunt the night that we were supposed to have. We're talking about Forceology a little bit, so I had to play this a little bit. Everybody, the Force is with me. The Force is with me, and I am with the Force. And I fear nothing. I fear nothing. As the Force wills it. The force is with me. The force is not a power you have. It's not about lifting rocks. It's, it's not, not about lifting rocks. It's an energy field created by all living things. Oh, Max, the force. The force is with me. The force is with me. The force is with me. And I am with the force. And I fear nothing. All this. As the force wills it. The Force is with me. I am no Jedi, but I know the Force. It moves through every living thing. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beams are we, not this fruit factor. The Force is with me. The Force is with me. That is uh, Royish Good Looks on the Twitter and uh, his... Uh, auto-tuned I am with the force it's great it's the force is with me parentheses Star Wars song close parentheses anyhow check out Lucas toys on Facebook because Lucas does uh, about every two weeks he'll do these trivia contests slash auctions where he ends up giving away something to the winner at the end this last trivia contest he gave away a black series Poe Dameron helmet and uh, and Lucas has been my gateway into a fun group of collectors on Facebook and has helped me kind of really get my collection purge as I've been making room for my wife to be to move in and also raise some money for the honeymoon and um, and wedding band and that sort of thing and um, listen it's crazy because if you walked into my house right now you would see a pile of Star Wars stuff um, if you come into the office where I am doing this recording from you would see all around on all the wall shelves of Star Wars stuff I have sold so much Star Wars stuff, though, um, and, and it's like nothing has gone out the door. Uh, but if you've been, if you saw the original, then you'd know, man, there's so much gone. 
Um, really basically at this point, keeping the vintage stuff and, uh, and letting that go. But Lucas has been a big help with me doing sales on a weekly basis, uh, to get some of that purged and out of the house. Um, and it's not that I, and I want to make clear, I was not asked to do this. This is not, this was not something, in fact, um, you know, my, my fiance was very much worried about me doing this. She didn't want me to, to undertake this necessarily. She was, she was concerned that it might not be something that I was comfortable with doing, and um, and so this is not a this was not an ultimatum laid down to me. I'm not changing for anyone, um, and so you know so don't overanalyze everybody. I don't know why I'm worried about you overanalyzing me, but um, but that's fine, that's fine. Uh, Dylan Newhouse in the chat says purge that six inch nonsense. I have two uh, six inch Black Series figures left that'll hopefully go out. Um, in the next, uh, in the, in the next, uh, sale in about the next two weeks. So, um, anyhow, uh, Lucas toys on Facebook and check him out and let him know you heard about it. He's become a, he's become a, a listener of geek out loud. He's become a Patreon supporter. You can be a Patreon supporter. Anyhow, he blew my mind with something about forceology that he thought that Shaz and I were going to get into and it never even crossed our minds. And so we'll get into that a little bit on this next on this upcoming episode when we talk Revenge of the Sith. Then we'll have our 204 course where we wrap up the prequels and we'll throw in what we've learned about the original trilogy. From there we go to the Clone Wars. Our 300 level epi- our 300 level course is uh, the Force as we learn about it in the Clone Wars. And as you know, uh, that that series is rich and deep with force material and so we're looking forward to that so so looking forward um to to that and, and being a part of that so that's a two dollar web say all that to say two dollars a month gets you what has been a great podcast i i don't shaz bazaar is an outstanding podcaster he's he's very well spoken he's got great ideas he's very thoughtful about star wars um, he's everything that I wish I was as a podcaster. Techno Retro Dads, if you're not listening to them, and I say this all the time, and Chaz gets a little, uh, he gets a little embarrassed by it. Techno Retro Dads is everything that I wish Geek Out Loud was. They do it so well and so complete, and they have so many great ideas, and it's so creative. I hope you're checking out Techno Retro Dads with Chaz. At the $3 level at Patreon, what you get is a weekly Big Honkin' Show. Now, I recognize that we've kind of stalled out with the uploading of the Big Honkin' Show episodes back to the website. The older ones, we stopped around October of 2012. Don't worry, we're, they're coming back. Uh, I, I edited one just a few days ago that I've got to get posted and uh, back there to the original website. But it's going to take, as you can see, there are gaps in when I'm able to get those things put back to the website. And some of this stuff was never released. We're in an era now that it's almost the lost age of the Big Honkin' Show when we were on Monday through Friday on WHJD um, out of Hazelhurst, Georgia. And and the recording situation was sketchy at best. And thanks to Jimmy in Georgia, who was listening via the TuneIn app, which was nowhere near as, um, as, as good as it is now. Uh, he recorded these episodes, many of them, he got them to me, and, and and he basically saved a huge portion of what we call the lost age of the Big Honkin' Show. Um, from there, we'll get back into 
posting some things, some things that never got posted. There were a lot of late night big honking shows that got recorded that never quite got posted. And, uh, and so we'll get back into that. We'll be doing that stuff as well. As, and so, but that's going to take so long. So right now, the Big Honkin' Show airs Saturdays and Sundays on WGIG AM 1440 out of Brunswick, Georgia. We record live normally on Friday afternoons. We didn't this past Friday. Busyness caught up with me, um, and Scott was out of town, and so we just agreed to play a repeat this weekend but normally what will happen is on Monday, I'll upload that week's uh, episode to Patreon. For $3 a month, you get the the four big honking shows, you get the uh, the Forceology, and now you get a new show that's coming with Eric Chernevice, Adam Bray, and me talking about superhero cartoons. We're calling it Super Saturdays, the Gulliver Super Saturdays. That's what I've settled on, and that's where we're stopping. Uh, the Goldiverse Super Saturdays with Eric Chernovice, Adam Bray, and myself. Right now we're talking Young Justice. We we all picked up the DC Universe streaming app, which I can talk about momentarily. And we're watching through Young Justice. It's a show that I never visited. I never gave much attention to. I've really been enjoying it. And uh, we talked about the first six episodes uh, on this on our first episode. And then we'll do several more like that. And then once we're in, and hopefully the goal is to when season three of Young Justice airs on the DC Universe uh, streaming app, that we'll be there, we'll be caught up, we'll be able to talk about those episodes. And then from there, we're going to just tackle superhero cartoons. Uh, You're talking your Batman the Animated Series, you're talking about your 1960s Spider-Man, you're talking about the 90s Spider-Man, you're talking about the 90s X-Men, you're talking about Spider-Man and his amazing friends, you're talking about... uh, Superman, the animated series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, some maybe hopefully I'm hoping some Super Friends stuff, some old filmation stuff. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, Erish brings a lot of knowledge to the table. Adam brings a lot of knowledge and personality to the table. I'm just there recording everything. So uh, that all that three dollars a month gets you down on Patreon, and we thank everyone for uh, being a supporter. Now, many of you are like, what about those movie commentaries? What about them? Um, I'm terrible. I'm just a horrible human being is really what it comes down to. However, uh, there are things right now in the works, and I've said it. I've been wanting to, for now two months, sit down and go through the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Uh, I, I went on a tear watching Michael Bay Transformers movies for a while there, re-watching and re-watching. And I don't mean just the first one. Um digging into special features that I've never dug into before. Uh, all five of them. I, because I I unashamedly love those movies. Um, the fifth one, everyone's like, oh my gosh, it was so convoluted. It was ridiculous. Here's what it had. It had um, giant robots fighting one another, turning into vehicles. It had Optimus Prime giving a great speech. Um, and, and that's really all I needed. At the end of the day, that's that's all I needed, and that's all I've needed in any of these movies. And they've and they've they've all been things that I've enjoyed. And so, it's kind of going to go back to what the original idea for that particular show on the Patreon was: is here's a movie that I love, and I'm just going to talk about it while we watch it. And and so that's coming up, and and we'll probably throw in a little bit of Transformers the movie there. I want to talk about that momentarily as well because something has happened. Uh, so that, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say right now, wait until if that's something you want, if that's something you're interested in, that'll end up being at the $5 level. But 
if you're if you're like, well, do I want to go? Don't jump on that yet. Wait until it's announced because I don't want anyone throwing down um, money for extra content that doesn't end up being there. However, right now you got three big shows, which gets you about six a month uh, for three bucks. That's fifty cent and fifty cents an episode. Um, so just and everyone and I and and, I, and and the thing is, is I recognize that this is your hard-earned money, and I don't want to. I don't want to rip anyone off, and I've been very lax in the past. We talked about it with Patreon. I don't want to recap how bad a person I am because, you know, I'm, we're celebrating our geekdom. Um, but I, I do just want to say uh, that we're that we're working on it and, and working on making things so much better for you, uh, those of you who support us at Patreon. I thank all 128 of you. Looking forward to uh, hopefully hitting that 130 to 135 mark. Um between now and uh and uh and uh and the end of the month so um while we're here you know what let's do this let's just jump into some emails real quick Remember when I said we we're going to jump into some emails? We were. I had emails pulled up, and then it's like, oh, let me load this again for you. Let me load this page again for you. Uh, there's been so many people just email since we've actually done a show, and so I don't know um, what we've got going here. So I'm so there may be some that are repeated, and so I apologize. Uh, Rudolph chimes in. He says, Stephen Scott. Now, this is referencing to something Scott and I did a couple of months ago. I'm 47 and three weeks shy of turning 48. I also enjoy the Marvel Unlimited app. I'm currently trying to use the app to read through all the X-Men family books in the correct reading order. I dropped collecting in the early 90s, and the app has allowed me to actually get to read these stories I've missed. I never read the story arc you two covered, but have now done so. Using the app, I've read some of the newest stuff they've added, and I think runs like what y'all cover 100 times better than the current runs in comics. I don't think the current trends uh, lend themselves to great storytelling. Your discussion brought back memories of the racks I visited when I was buying comics in my middle and high school years. I said buying instead of collecting because I wouldn't identify myself as a collector until I went into until I went to MSU and visited my first comic shop, Gun Dog Comics. They actually were selling dog food alongside the comics. When I was just buying, I would pick up issues that grabbed me by the cover. If I could get my hands on a Star Wars issue, that is what I placed my highest priority. But after that, it was all up for grabs. If you were to offer, if I were to offer a suggestion for future discussion, I would suggest Uncanny X Men one fifty six one fifty seven. And 162 to 167, The Brood Saga. Much like the run you just covered, it handles some serious stuff, and it's not your obvious pick for the next men run. Thanks, and that's from Rudolph. Well, thank you, Rudolph. What we've got coming up next is the John Byrne run of the Fantastic Four uh, from back in the 80s, and it is uh, it, it is some good stuff. Read through it, and it's so interesting the way it's written. Each story, each issue, is an individual story of the Fantastic Four in the negative zone. Meanwhile, there's something nefarious happening in our world, and um, and it and it's just it's just classic comic book goodness. And we'll be covering that, and we've talked about what we want to cover afterwards. And I actually reached out to Scott the other day and said we need to do this soon. And so hopefully he and I will be doing that soon. If not uh, live, we'll be banking a show. Um, so uh, um, we uh, we will get into that. Okay, now. <clears throat> as I'm looking here in the chat, all of a sudden I pull it up, 
and Dylan Newhouse, who I know Dylan and I would be best friends if we lived near each other. He says, I'm not trying to re-legislate Bayformers, but was an optimist and unrepentant killer in those? Um, only the Decepticons. Listen, and I'll be honest with you, and not even in in the first one, let's talk about this. Let's legislate it right now. Let's re-legislate. In the first one, um, it was Sam. This Optimus was going to sacrifice himself, and he's like, put the cube into my spark, Sam. And Sam would not. He went and he ran up to under, um, under Megatron, and he took out Megatron. So don't forget that. In the second one, Optimus was killed. He was killed. And Sam brought him back to life with the Matrix. And then Optimus went and he fought the Fallen. He's like, give me your face. And the, the Fallen was going to extinguish the sun. And and this was not a thing where he could, you know, disarm and disable him. This was the evil. This was the father of the Decepticons, the master of the Decepticons, basically. This is someone to whom Megatron bowed down. So, yeah, he had to get rid of him. It wasn't an unrepentant thing. It was a thing of... This must be done. In the third movie, Sentinel Prime, a man, an Autobot that Optimus Prime looked up to, a mentor, a friend, a trusted ally, turned on the Autobots and had joined with Megatron and 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 was going to bring Cybertron through that space bridge to Earth and basically wipe out the Earth. Again, the stakes were high. The stakes were very, very high. And Optimus and and the rest of the Autobots, they were forced to leave the Earth, if you recall. And and the shuttle that they were on blew up, if you recall. Now, granted, they had stowed away in a rocket booster that had already come off, you know, and, and so they splashed down safely into the ocean and made their way back to Chicago where the... Um, where, where, where the Decepticons had taken over and were firing up that space bridge. And let me quote Optimus Prime as he showed back up on the scenes. First, there's the, there's the, there's the of his giant laser rifle. As he says, we will kill them all. Because you have to! There was no peace to be made with the Decepticons! No peace! Then in Age of Extinction... You have a situation where you've got this 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 bounty hunter, this extraterrestrial bounty hunter taking out Autobots just callously. Meanwhile, the US government is helping him out. They don't care if they're Decepticons, Autobots, or what. They don't care. They just want to take them all out. And Optimus, when we meet up with Optimus, he is he's he's in hiding because he's been turned on. And yeah, he's angry. He's he's confused. All they did was help the humans. There's a good chance. Listen, there's a really good chance that Sam and his family and his and his and his fiance, wife, girlfriend, however far along they got, were killed by the US government as the government was going around killing Autobots. So yeah, when Optimus comes back, you know, he's not happy. And now this technology has been co-opted by Megatron, and he's now Galvatron, and now it's a big fight 
you know, and the Dinobots come in. You can't be hating on Dinobots showing up in Age of Extinction. My Lanta. That's a great movie, by the way. The, the My biggest problem, if I have one, with Age of Extinction is that because Ironhide was killed in three and Jazz was killed at the end of one, Ratchet's killed at the very beginning of four, we we get in classic Transformer style. We're we're just kind of immediately introduced to new Autobots that are there, and that's what happened in the old cartoon, you know. Um, and so when we get into uh, into into four, we have to. I would have liked to because in four they they really focus less on the human characters. And they got to where they could focus more because the technology had caught up. They got to where they could focus more on the actual Autobots and and, and the and the Transformers as characters. And and so I would have liked to be able to spend that kind of time with the Ratchet, with um, with Ironhide, with Jazz. You know, some of those that we know from our childhood. Five is just the greatest thing ever. I mean, five is just so crazy. It's so out there. It's so nuts that I just love it, you know? And Optimus, uh, he has his mind taken over by Quintessa, who is basically the Quintessons, um, you know, the movie version of the Quintessons. And and so he comes back as, um, oh, what's Nemesis Prime until Bumblebee causes him to come back around, and then he's like, I am sorry, you know? And, and there he goes. Uh, you know, and, and now he's back. He's like, follow me. And they do. And the Autobots roll out. And as that whole thing comes, cra- the end, when the whole thing comes crashing down, it's just like, do, 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 And you just see the truck that is Optimus Prime coming out of the dust cloud. Oh, man. Yeah. Go get him, Optimus. It's awesome. I love it. Anyhow, so yeah, I'll re-legislate Transformers anytime. <laughs> Unrepentant killer, my butt. He did what he had to do. You find yourself in the middle of an intergalactic war with the Decepticons and see how well you do. Um, jo- Josue? Josue. I guess it's Josue. It's J-O-S-U-E. If someone knows how to pronounce in the chat, help me out. Because I don't like to um, to to mess up anyone's name. But I, And so I believe it's Josue. I believe the U makes it Josue, like a Hue. Josue. Josue says, Hey, Steve, I'm currently working at the summer school se- as the summer school secretary at my school district. And when kids are gone at 12.30, I have a couple hours of phone calls at home and paperwork that I have to take care of in this empty office. No one is here, so Geek Out Loud has been keeping me country. Com- country? Keeping me company. I've I've listened to... That was my mix-up of words, not his. I recently listened to episode 30 from February of 2009, Music to My Ears. You discussed several great movie scores, such as Superman, Dark Knight, Indiana Jones, Rocky, and of course, Star Wars. It got me thinking it would be awesome to hear you talk about other awesome scores... Soundtracks from 2010, stuff like Tron Legacy, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Interstellar, The Martian, even Danny Elfman's Justice League and the awesome Batman theme incorporated in there. TV has got some awesome things too, like Stranger Things, Blake Neely's work on the CWDC shows. Just thought that would be a cool discussion. Thanks for all the work you do. Josue, I hope I'm um, pronouncing that right. 
That is a fantastic idea. That I think that especially with you know ten years of Marvel movies under our belts, that it's really worth going back and visiting some of these scores I loved. I know that uh, I mentioned Steve Jablonski's Transformer scores in there, and there's some going back and listening through those. There's some good stuff. Um, Alan Silvestri has done some stuff. Uh, I don't know that I talked much about Howard Shore's Lord of the Rings even when I did that one. Maybe I did. Um, yeah, it, it'd definitely be worth going back and, 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 and revisiting some from the 2010s, especially. I'm not super familiar with the Interstellar soundtrack. And The Martian, I don't remember music in The Martian outside of... I forget what the actual name of the... what the actual term is for music that the people are hearing as well as you. Uh, Tron Legacy. I'd love to talk Tron Legacy music. So... Maybe I'll do that. Maybe that's a great idea for a future episode. Probably be next year sometime, but we'll try to get to it. Thank you. Uh, Joshua Harris says, I really enjoyed listening to the episode with Mr. Lucas, a.k.a. Lethargic Chewy. I'm also super happy to hear that you like Solo because I thought it was great. It had a bunch of fun Easter eggs. Terrace Kasi, Colo Clawfish were my favorites. Another thing I thought you'd be interested in is the Voltron Lego revealed earlier today. It looks amazing. You can add it to the Lego Tron light cycles available now. Here is a link to the Voltron news, and he gives me a link to thebrickfan.com. Now, this is back in June, and I haven't really discussed this. And this leads me to something I'd like to talk about as far as Voltron goes. On Netflix, there's the Voltron series that is now up to, like, season seven. They're very short seasons. Um, I, I, I got on board with it because... I was a tr I was a Voltron kid back in the day. The thing about Voltron, at least the American version of Voltron, is it doesn't really hold up. Um, every episode is kind of the same. There's a little bit of you know personal interaction and, and personal things that go on with the team, but then Hagar sends a row beast and they try to fight him with lions, and then they form Voltron and fight the row beast and ultimately win with the blazing sword. Form blazing sword. Um, this show. At first, I was like, okay, I, it's very story-oriented. It's, it's very much is, is, is fleshing out these characters in a bigger, deeper way. Um, and, it, and it moved for me in the first few seasons a little slow, but I stuck with it because it was still good enough. I'm like, I, could, I felt like I could see where they were going. And, 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 the one th and it, let me give my criticisms first. First of all, I feel like that this one just like the one that came on Nickelodeon, which wasn't as good as this one, um, really misses an opportunity by not using that original score. I don't know if they're able to because of the uh, because of rights or anything like that, but I think that I think they would do well to use the score. Uh, Koran, I believe is his name, is a little bit too comedic relief for me. the The thing about cartoons these days is, um, is I think they're scared of just doing a straight-up adventure the way that, you know, adventure cartoon, the way that uh, cartoons used to be done, like, when I was a kid. Um, and so they throw in a little... They go a little bit over the top with comic relief. I, we've gotten to a place where I don't think we trust kids to get what they can and still like what they're watching and just kind of let the other sit and grow up. I, mean, I really think the pinnacle of that would have been like your Animaniacs in the 90s where you can watch Animaniacs as an adult and catch so much that you didn't catch as a kid. Um, and not like filthy humor necessarily, not like Shrek where there's like innuendo humor, you know, that, that, that get over the kids' heads, but, you know, the adults totally catch it. 
but more more just nuanced and 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 really kind of smart comedy, you know. Uh, but I feel like with comedic relief these days that creators aren't trusting the kids that are watching um, to, to handle just a straight-up, straightforward adventure. Now, that's not... Listen, that is not... I'm just talking about that character in specific because that character was really regal and noble in the original Voltron. Um, kind of a fuddy-duddy, and so I guess they wanted to kind of hip him up a little bit. Um but anyhow, everything else is great. You know, they do, they, you'll hear the phrase, um, you know, mega thrusters, dynatherms you know, connected, mega thrusters are go, all that stuff. But they, but it's not in, in conjunction with the lines. And there's a more mystical aspect that goes on with the lines and what was led on in the original series. Um, obviously, they're taking cues from the original series. But it, it's it's a little bit more mystical, which is kind of a neat thing, you know. It, it's a it's a science, it's a technology mixed with magic kind of deal going on. In this last season that just aired, that just was on Netflix, the last three or four episodes are some of the best cartoon adventure stuff I've ever seen in my life. Action adventure stuff I've ever seen in my life. Basically, the Voltron Force gets back to Earth. Earth is being taken over by the Galra, and they're mounting a rebellion, and Voltron has to fight. And, and, and there's never a Robeast to be found in this series. Okay, Understand that, that the Robeast is not the thing that shows up, and they fight it, and, and they don't do any gimmicks like in the original or not in the Nickelodeon show where it's like, okay, now the Red Beast, now the Red Line will be the head. Now the Blue Line, we have different powers based on that. They they have some different weaponry and stuff that they use, but it, but the formation stays the same all the time and um, and and so they don't try those kind of gimmicks and so it's been interesting because they have tried to make it more character driven, more story driven, and nary a robeast is ever to be found. Well, what's amazing about this whole thing? is they go, they try to help, you know, save the planet, basically, uh, save Earth. They're fighting the Galra. They're fighting off this huge armada. You know, they finally, you know, you don't think they're going to be able to get the lions into the battle because of some stuff that's going on. They finally do. It seems like the day is won, and a Roby shows up. And there is a whole episode. It's the entire episode that is nothing but Voltron fighting the Robies. And it completely works. It's like, oh my, it matters that a Robeast has shown up now. You know, and it's just, it's really good stuff. Um, I did see the Lego Voltron that's been announced. It looks really cool. Uh, unfortunately, I have no room in my house for Legos, so that's that's pretty sad. But thank you for that, Josh, for that's some good stuff. Um, so let's see what else we got here. Um, oh, Winnie Cooper from the High Desert. Sends congratulations for the uh, for the upcoming nuptial. She says she's so happy for me. It's weird and ridiculous. It is weird and ridiculous that I'm married. No, she means that that's how the fact that she's so happy for me is. It's not. Listen, we've all spent so many hours together. Sometimes just us doing this, and 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 sometimes you know, um, so you know whether you're listening to me or whether we're in the chat together. 
we've gotten on the phones, you know, late night big honking shows and that sort of thing. And and so many of you I consider to be friends. And and Wendy Cooper and her family are one of those. You know, Wendy's got the Amen corner, uh, you know, that they're raising. She and her husband are raising. Her she and her husband Dean are, are raising. And um and we've had some good times. And 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 so th- that's the great thing, and that's been the great thing about this podcast situation is is there's so many of you who have become friends you know and when i see you pop up in the chat you know and i see that you're here with us it matters it means a lot to me that you're here listening uh it means a lot that you email because we have built connections through all of this silly stuff and it's been great it's been so much fun and uh and so thank you so much for for chiming in Frank Emanuel. Now, if you're not, Frank uh, has taken over and done a better job than I have with the Starkville stuff over with Derek. They're doing a great job talking Krypton, the series on um, sci-fi. And, uh, and, and, and Frank does a great job. Got to meet Frank at the With Brian Austin Green live event, the Starkville Expo Live in Atlanta. Uh, just last, uh, wow, back in, yeah, just last month in September. And um, by the way, I did a 15-minute set there. That is available to Patreon subscribers as well right now. Uh, I was really pleased that people actually laughed. You know, there's, a lot of people were total strangers, and they still laughed, so that was a good thing. I hope that uh, you get a chance to check that out. Uh, Frank says, Steve, been a while since my last note. I think it may have been all the way back in the 25th anniversary, but despite the long silence, I've been enjoying the heck out of Goal in its various forms over the years, and I'm happy to be a member of the Patreon community. We're happy to have you, Frank. Thank you so much. I wanted to ask if, if you've been keeping up what's been happening with Superman in the comics these days. I was discouraged by the new 52, but I absolutely love the change of direction that started with the DC Rebirth, and I've thoroughly enjoyed the Brian Michael Bendis run so far. Uh, there's a whimsy, lightheartedness, and a love of the character that comes through loud and clear in these stories. Makes me happy to be a Superman fan. If you haven't had a chance to try it out, I recommend reading Man of Steel six-issue miniseries that Bendis just wrapped up last month. I think it'll give you a great feel for what he's doing with the character. Uh, I have not checked it out. I was really interested. I know Action Comics 1000 dropped, and I was really interested to pick that up, and I never had a chance. Um, I haven't. This is the first thing I've really heard about the Bendis run on the Superman comics, and I want to check it out. I'm, I'm interested to see what he's doing. Uh, Bailey seems to like it okay. Michael Bailey, Professor Bailey, over at uh, Views from Longbox. He is a huge Superman fan, and uh, if he puts his stamp of approval on it, I think that I'm... Pretty much in. I was not as taken with the rebirth as you were, Frank. I wasn't against it. I didn't like the redesign of Superman. And the stuff that I read, I didn't really dig the character that much. I never really connected with Clark um, until he died, you know, and until our Clark, you know, the one that I was reading for so many years showed up. Um, yeah. Was that rebirth? No, I'm I'm thinking the Flashpoint stuff. Not the new... Wait, I'm getting confused. The new 52 was the Superman I didn't like. The Rebirth stuff is the stuff I do like. All right, Frank, we're on the same page. Uh, I'm sorry, I got confused there. Chickafant says, My family and I wanted to first say congratulations on your engagement. Thank you so much. It's awesome to hear that you found someone that makes you happy and you want to spend the rest of your lives together. Uh, well, thank you. I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, and it's all grace that that has taken place for me. We'd also like to say thanks to you and Eris for your discussion about the many wild and fun things that came out of San Diego Comic-Con. 
sure there are plenty of geeks and fans out there hoping that DC is able to have some major wins with some of the potential greatness they tease. We can only sit back and enjoy the fun that's coming our way. You know, I think that's the best attitude to have, is that there's a hope that DC gets some wins uh, with the movies. Warner Brothers gets some wins with the DC movies that are coming. And I think Shazam looks to be that. And we'll talk Aquaman in a minute. And it very well could be that Aquaman may may actually surprise everybody um, who thinks it may not be that great. We hope you and Eric get to do some form of pass the corn in the future. I do too. Um, and we've talked about that. And I love podcasting with Eric. We usually line up so close on things that we just end up having a great time geeking out over the stuff we love. Um, so thank you so much, Chicka Fant. Tell the parents I said hello. If you're ever at a con and Chicka Fant's there, make sure to get your picture taken with Chicka Fant and let him know that you know about the little chicken from the Goliverse. Um, Dave in the Quiet Corner says, there was an Infinity War movie? I'm kidding. Hi, Steve. Guess what? I just finished listening to your Infinity War, War podcast. Yes, I'm late. It took a while to get to the movie, but I loved it. My favorite part, Captain America's entrance at the train station. It gave me chills. I loved that. He said, I bounced all on the couch and pumped my fist in the air. Yes, they had some great entrances in, in Infinity War. Cap was one. The Thor, when he arrives on Earth, was the other. How old am I? It doesn't matter. Such a great moment. I have to tell you, though, when the movie ended, I thought to myself, well, that's part one of two. So the idea of Marvel trying to separate Avengers 3 from 4 just doesn't wash with me. They can rename them all they want. I, I, don't, I think the idea was is they didn't want to do Infinity War part one and part two. I think they wanted to... Um, I, I do think that there's a casual audience who doesn't realize that Spider-Man 2 is in production who wasn't paying attention to the box office to know that Black Panther was such a success and that they'll want to do more with him. I, I, I think that there are a lot of people who got to the end of that movie and thought, oh my gosh, where do we go from here? And, um, and so, you know, for, for those of us who are kind of immersed in it all, it's, you know, we're not surprised when, you know, when a trailer drops for, you know, Avengers 4, whatever it'll be called, and we're looking forward to the Avengers figuring out, and we're all trying to figure out who has what to do with what. You know, Ant-Man's stuck now in the quantum verse and or the quantum realm, and, and there's a chance that he could come back and be a huge part of things that go on. You know, there's the idea of time travel. There are a lot of different theories out there that could come into play. There's a few things that we do know. We know that Doctor Strange looked at like a million different uh, ways that things could pan out and that there were only one there was only one way that worked and he was very willing to give up the the, the last infinity stone and and he kind of had a knowing look on his face as he went away um and uh and so you have to and you have to believe that this will not stand i mean they the avengers you know they're going to avenge what has taken place. So um, I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting. Man, I loved your ending of the movie with the Fantastic Four being called. That would have been great. Have you read the new FF comic? I just got it the other day. Pretty good. I'm about six months behind, so I'm right now doing Marvel Two and One with Thing and the Torch as they're on the hunt for Reed and Sue. Um, thanks to you and Ares for a great show. Well done. By the way, I checked the Thanos website. You guys mentioned I was spared. Be good, Steve. And that's from Dave in the Quiet Corner. Good to hear from Dave. Uh, ben Foster. Uh, who check out the Fandom Menace on Bandcamp, that's F-A-N-D-O-M, um, has emailed in and he says, Hello, my friend, I just want to take a second to thank you for your podcast. 
I don't know if anyone takes time to so, but I'd like to. I'm an artist and a musician, and it's less lonely when I'm work when I'm working having you with me in the old headphones, um, having fun, uh, talking fun. Thank I thank you. God bless you, man. That's from Ben. Ben, thank you, sir. I greatly appreciate the kind words and the thank you. Uh, many of you will remember Ben from this little ditty. Yeah, so check out Ben over on um, on uh, Bandcamp, The Fandom Menace, F-A-N-D-O-M, The Fandom Menace, and, uh, and check out his work. And if you like it, you know, help him out. He's a good dude, man. Ben and his, uh, his wife, Ascentia, are great people. Met them at Star Wars Celebration 5, I believe, maybe 6, and uh, they're just super nice people. Oh, my Lanta. I like to get to the snippet part. I get lost here at the end. I just love the way it ends. I just get lost in it and uh, with all the key. Is that wow? I feel like that may be a little too self-aggrandizing to do that. Um, Angie actually chimed in. Angie Grant, realtor Angie in the chat, uh, chimed in with um, with some information that I asked for. I think at the end of the last podcast, or maybe on a different podcast, or maybe it was after a after a big honking show or something. But I talked about. The fact that I figured out we can do Golcon here in Rome, Georgia. Um, there are places we could do it. You know, we could do a small little grouping together. And I asked for people to kind of reach out and let me know when would be a, the best time. And we could kind of aggregate all the information. What I needed to know, what I needed to know is when would be the best time. I don't know what just happened there to me. And what, when would be the best time and uh, how much notice would you need to prepare for a goal con. And, um, you know, it's just something I think would be great to do. I was really kind of inspired by what happened with the Starkville Expo. It was so great. And, and I want to use this moment to talk about that a little bit. It was so great to meet people that I've known. And again, it's like earlier with the email from Wendy, you know, with the, with the congratulations stuff, people that I've known for now 10 years, but never met face to face. 
to be able to shake a hand, hug somebody, and say, hey, it's so good to, to actually spend time in person with you. And I wish that I'd been able to be around more over that weekend. You know, I, that's the only regret I took away from being there. And I'm not going to lie. You know, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, it's Dragon Con weekend. I'm going to have to find a place to park. going to have to figure out what Marta to take. going to have to figure out where this place is. And I was kind of, you know, down on the on the idea that day because laziness was kind of overtaking me and and just the you know just kind of the idea of not feeling like I was really bringing much to the table for the whole deal and um and walking in to the room and I had my fiance with me and and uh, and I told her I'm like I don't know that I'm going to know anybody but Derek and, and Brian here um walking into the room and immediately seeing people and saying hello hello and just like everyone that came i'm like well this is joe this is frank this is matt this is this person this is dave you know got to see dave atterbury again for the first time in ages and and it's like didn't get to hang out at all and it really kind of broke my heart rich was there uh mark uh mark all was there uh and you know who's in the chat all the time mark hamall for those of you who know him from the chat and the in in the you know what do we call it the mixler zoo crew and um, so many others who I'm not even naming right now that I got to see Sheena and Spencer and Will Goodman and all these great people that, that I've known for years and have barely got to spend any time with, if ever at all. And it was just really cool. And I got to thinking it'd be so great to bring the zoo crew together, you know, to bring the Goliverse listeners in to do something. Jonathan Bell was there to do something, um, you know, for a day or two where where we could get together and we could do these panels, we could do these things, and, and though there may not be any celebrities, we could do the Rock Out Loud karaoke, you know, at the end of the evening, and we could we could watch a movie together. We could do all of this fun stuff and, um, and then realized, used to, it was like, where do we do this? Because I lived in a little podunk town that I would not want to invite anyone to because it'll trap your soul there and it would suck your soul dry while you were there. But now I live in a great area with... Uh, with access to a lot of different things and, and great, like a great downtown and just a great place to be able to do something like this. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, it's something that is now kind of more of a possibility than I ever thought it would be, you know. And and when I said something to my fiance about it, she, you know, she becomes like this huge cheerleader. She's like, yes, do it, do it, let's do it. So it's it's definitely now, it's more of a reality than it's ever been. But, you know, it would mean people being willing to probably come to Rome, Georgia, which is a great place, and, uh, and, and working out the details on that. So we'll get there to it. Uh, Brian has asked a, a very important question. He says, I know you're busy this winter with your pending nuptials, but I was wondering if you're planning on doing a marathon fundraiser for Cure this January. Uh, we sure are. Uh, in fact, um, there's already plans being made for that. I don't know uh, what the um, I don't know what the what the actual plan. There there are a few things that are being made. I I've got to nail down some things with some of the other hosts and some of the friends of the Goliverse and that sort of thing. I'd really like to make it special. My birthday is on a Friday this year, uh, January twenty fifth. Friday, January twenty January twenty fifth. Send cards and gifts as appropriate. Um, normally I try to do it like the Saturday before, which would be the 19th and let it run till the end of the month, which I think we may do um, right now. So tentatively right now it's, it's penciled in for January 19th, 
but we will let you know for sure as as we get into we'll hopefully have that all nailed down by the first part of December um, and, and let everyone know so as far as and, and Brian asked about donating early there's really not anywhere to donate right now early for the marathon um, because of the way that the first giving pages get set up and everything we have to wait till January until we're ready to do it and that sort of thing. And I have to check in with Cure, let them know what we're doing. And uh, so we'll, we'll give you that information as we have it. But uh, but Brian, Cure is always a great place to make a donation to, uh, tax-deductible donation. Uh, you can go to their website, curechildhoodcancer.org, and let them know. Like if you're going to send them a donation, just tell them, look, we um, I d- I'm doing this because of what happens in January and what has been happening for four years and, and coming up on the fifth year in January. And, and, and let me know what you donate and we'll add that to our totals in January is probably the best way to go about doing that. Um, big shout out. I want to give a shout out to our friend Maui Mark. Maui, uh, actually dropped me something in the mail and, um, to help me with my Godzilla watching that I haven't done in a while. And, uh, and I haven't had a chance to crack any of that open yet, Maui, but thank you so much, sir. I'm looking forward to, to plowing through some old Godzilla movies. Thanks to you and, and your kindness, um, with, with, with all that. So thank you so much, Maui. Send it all the way from Hawaii. And I mean, look and, and understand Maui is, um, you know, he's been dodging volcanoes and hurricanes this summer. So, to, to go to the post office in the midst of all that? Come on. What you talking about, man? Uh, okay, that's our email. Thank you. You can email us at geekoutonline, geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. And uh, we appreciate it. What's just happened here? Hold on. There's one take gloss in my foot. Here, what, what is, oh, my Lanta. I can't seem to make anything happen. What have I done to my, how does this, what the? Who the? How the? Here we go. So just a few things I want to talk about before we get into some of the geek news. Back in September, uh, I had a couple of days where I was down. Um, not down like sad, but down physically. There was some there there was some stuff that had to you know, just you know just some private stuff that took place, and uh, and my fiance, the greatest woman in the world, was so kind to uh, she she was all about taking care of me and, and helping you know just you know I, I'm I'm very much a, when I'm feeling bad or sick or have some healing to do I'm very much like I'm gonna fight this battle alone, you know I'm like a dog it's like just give me an old towel to lay on. <laughs> And I'll go lick my wounds and that sort of thing. She refused to let me do that. And one of the things we did uh, over the course of a couple of days while we were together is we watched some Star Wars. She has watched them, but they're kind of out of order. They're kind of fuzzy in her head. And we only made it through episodes one and two. We didn't quite get to episode three yet. But um, it was so. It's always fun to watch these movies. And I and I was doing one through one through six instead of you know any crazy orders or that sort of thing. Because I've always found that it's easiest to introduce people who are just kind of vaguely familiar or not super familiar 
or have never seen any of it, it's just the easiest way to introduce them because, because you avoid questions like, now, when is this? What is this? What is this? And they, and you can answer those questions up front, you know, and, and say, look, this was released later, but this is the first story. That's all you need to know. And then the way I let people watch stories, I'm like, there's going to be yellow words on the screen in a minute. Read those and, and just pick up with the story where it drops you in. And if you have any pertinent questions as we move forward, we'll talk about it. You know, that's, that's all you got. Um, we come away from episodes one and two. We won't spend a lot of time here on this, but we come away from episodes one and two. And this was her review, and I thought this was really interesting. She really enjoyed The Phantom Menace. And I know for many of uh, Star Wars fans that that's like um, just, you know, sacrilege, that someone would actually like the, uh, the Phantom Menace. But she did, and she loved, as she called him, Baby Anakin. Uh, little Jake Lloyd, Anakin Skywalker. She liked that character. She liked the innocence of that character. And she's kind of heartbroken already because she knows that that's Luke's father. And she knows who Luke's father is. And so she's just kind of confused. And, and, and it really was effective on that level for someone who has that cursory knowledge of the saga, but, you know, doesn't understand the fullness of how everything came to be and, and what actually happened. We get to episode two, and she's just like, I don't like Anakin anymore. I'm like, well, you're not supposed to. He's a 19-year-old kid. He's like a gifted kid who's bored with his classes. You, you know, she's like, oh, I didn't think about that. And, and we get into things, and she's like, it was a little too fighty. She doesn't like all the fighty-fighty stuff. And so there was a little bit too much of that for her taste. She was blown away with Yoda. She's like, I can't. She's like, there he is jumping all the way around and he just picks up his little stick and starts walking like he did. He wasn't just jumping. On. <laughs> She's like, he just picked up that stick and started walking with it. Like he wasn't just jumping all over the place. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, it's meekness. It's power under control. You know, he does, he's not going to go around using the force all the time. And, and so we were able to, you know, and able to talk through the stuff and, and she's like ready to watch episode three. And I'm like, I don't know that you are. You know, it's it's a little tougher to watch. It's a, it's a more tough viewing. She doesn't trust Palpatine, though she has no idea who he is. She just thinks that that he's got a little, he's a little shady, and and she thought that from the get go, like from the very first episode. She's like, I don't trust him. I think he's a little shady, you know. And um, and I'm like, really? I'm like, he's helping out the Naboo. He's all about it. He wants the he wants the queen to stay here, my lady, where it's safe. And, and she's like, I just don't trust him. I just don't trust him. And then when he takes the power, she's like, see, why would he take that power if you can trust him? And, was, and so she's on to him. She's on to him. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And so um, it's just a fun thing. And listen, you know, it's one of those things we do sometimes as geeks when we're introducing people into our geek culture is we want them, we want people to love it as much as we do to the extent that we do. We're in a new era these days where casual fans, casual viewers are watching Star Wars movies. They're watching superhero movies. And, and I think our role as the Uber geeks is to kind of sit back, let them experience it, let them communicate to us their experiences and, and then answer questions they have, but don't over answer, you know, don't get into the books and the novelizations and the, and the comics and all the side stuff that goes on, just within the context of what they've seen, answer those questions. It's kind of what we've done with Forceology. We've had to unlearn what we've learned, and we've had to put on the back burner 
knowledge that we have that is coming down the pipe for us, and we, um, and and so when you when you give people just the information that's there for them, they don't become overwhelmed. You know, they don't, and, and they end up enjoying it more because they're getting to experience things the way we got to experience so much of the stuff. Think about the first time you picked up a comic book. Think about the first time you saw a movie that you love. Think about the first time you read Lord of the Rings or or a Terry Goodkind book or The Will of Time or or think about the first time you read Ender's Game or or think about you know the you didn't you you came in <clears throat> maybe the some of the stuff with just a cursory knowledge or no knowledge at all and you got into these worlds and into these things on your own and just found that you absolutely love them. And, and and maybe you didn't have someone to guide you along to, and you sought out that material, you sought out that stuff. Not everyone's going to have that passion, and that's okay. As long as they're entertained and they're enjoying it, that's what really matters because that, at the end of the day, that's what this stuff is. And, and so, but she also has such a unique take on things that we watch and see. When we saw Solo, I was really shocked. She didn't like L3. She didn't like the droid. She thought the droid was annoying, was a little too preachy. And, and downright weird. And and I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, wow, you know, you didn't like that. Um, there's been several times where she's really surprised me with, with her take on some films and some movies and stuff. She loves the Ant-Man movies, you know. She loved Ant-Man and the Wasp. She, she texted me the other day before I had seen it. She's like, I'm so excited about this. And she sends me the, Aqu- the new Aquaman trailer, like a five-minute long trailer that I guess they showed it, it somewhere. And... and and I was like, really? You're excited for this? I, it blew my mind. She's she like, yeah, he's the only one I really liked out of the whole Justice League thing. And I'm like, are you serious right now? Are you telling me the truth? And uh, and so, um, so yeah, so we, we'll get more. And I'll, and I'll continue to report on, on her take on Star Wars. I'm really anxious to get to the original trilogy. And the reason I'm doing this is because she, like a lot of people, have been concerned about my take on Star Wars in the past year, you know, Star Wars is something that I've really cooled off on, which is something I never thought would happen. And, and I've kind of really stepped back from what has been given to us. And that's just me. And, and it's not one of those things. And, and, and I have worked very hard not to rain on anyone's parade. I've worked very hard to not be overly critical of the things and, and, and more and try to have discussions about it. But people are so passionate. It's neat. People are so passionate about Star Wars that that it's hard to have just a level-headed discussion about things because you, in some instances you have to have a more nuanced conversation and you have to understand where people are coming from with their opinions and and give people room to come from those places with their opinions. And, um, and so rather than engage a lot, I've just kind of stepped back. And it's been sad. I've been sad by that because Star Wars is something I always loved. And and um and so I, I'm really just intrigued to get to episode eight to see her take on these things because she has such a neat take and interesting take and I'll continue to report on that as we do it. I'm sucking her into the world of geekdom and I'm not even trying. Like I, I feel bad that it happens, but then something happened in in late September that I was super stoked about. I was absolutely a hundred percent excited for. And Fathom Events put on uh put on an event where they were showing uh, the 1986 Transformers, the movie. And I told her I was going, and she wanted to go.
Everybody. Robots in disguise. So yeah, went to see Transformers the movie on the big screen, and I was shocked um, at the experience that that we had. Um, we we went uh, to Kennesaw to the AMC uh, at Barrett Commons there in Kennesaw, where I like to go see movies, especially when they have a big when there's a big release. They've got a great IMAX screen there for a lot of the big releases. Uh, this was in one of their smaller theaters. They had the sound jacked up incredibly high. In fact, there's a recent episode of The Big Honkin' Show where I talk about our experience with a smelly dude, two bouncy children, and basically what amounts to an hour and a half long music video. I, I don't know how I never noticed this thing watching it at home, and I've watched it, I don't know, 50 times. I don't know how I ever noticed that there is not a moment of this movie where there's not music going. Vince DiCola, who did the score, uh, not to mention, you know, the different songs um, like Dare and Nothing's Gonna Stand Our Way, of course, The Touch, uh, Hunger, Dare to Be Stupid, you know, all these things. <laughs> it's just one of those things It's like, wow, it just doesn't stop. I mean, this thing just does not stop. And... Um, and so I was enjoying it. You know, th there were there were atmospheric, you know, things that, that were kind of bothersome. Like I say, there was a real smelly dude um, with some bad breath that his kid would not behave. And he would talk to his kid, but he'd talk to his kid in this tone of voice as though he were whispering. Um, I had a dude on the other side of me. That was on the side of Haley, my fiance. And, and the kid had sat right next to her, and he just would not be quiet. And I could hear him, and then I could hear his dad. And she's like, and every time he whispered, I just smelled his breath. And then on this side of me, I had a kid and his dad. And his, the kid was a little more well-behaved. Now, the kid would bounce and dance when the music hit, and I'm fine with that. That didn't bother me one bit, you know. He kicked me in the shin one time. That's fine. That's fine, you know. I limped out of there just fine. Didn't bother me one bit. Um it was just really cool to see. And, and again, understand something. I love Transformers. I really, really do. Uh, I've been so... If I had if I had indisposable income... Not indisposable, disposable. If I had an unlimited source of disposable income, I would definitely go back and, and rebuild my G1 Transformers collection and add a few bits and bobbles to it because these 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 toys and that cartoon were a huge part of my life as a child. And it's one of those things that stuck with me. And I've really decided to try to dig into the mythology of the Transformers. I don't know that I like what IDW did in the comics with some of it. They, they made it a little too grown up and adult with some things. There's a great series that, that was um, for the longest time. The only place you could get it, I think was the IO nine app, which I downloaded just for the series, like a trilogy of, um, seasons, the Go 90 app is what it's called. And so you have the Combiner Wars and the, um, the, 
the rise of the primes, the rise of the titans, all this stuff. And um, and I, they're really well done. They're short episodes, really well done. They're now, I think they may be on Amazon Prime or Netflix now, or maybe Hulu. I don't know. And I, and but there are characters that I don't recognize, and they got to this situation in some weird way. And and I'm like, is this from the comics? Do I need to read the comics to figure this out? I've heard Transformers Prime is good, and I haven't I haven't really I visited that a little bit and hadn't really jumped into it. Um, I know that back in the early 2000s, there was Transformers Armada and Transformers wasn't Robots in Disguise. Maybe it was Robots in Disguise. But in one of those, you had um, Unicron show up. And, and so I was, and I missed all that, missed out on all that. And I've really thought about revisiting all that stuff. Beast Wars, I was into a little bit in the 90s, especially as they got toward the end of the the Beast Wars run, not the Beast Machines, as they got into like um, the Ark and and trying to get the the spark of the original Meg- Megatron and all this stuff. And um, so, yeah, I look, I love Transformers and watching the movie on the big screen was cool. It's something I never got to do as a kid. I never got to see the movie on the big screen, you know. And I explained to Haley, I'm like, look, we're going to see one of the biggest moments in 80s history. And this, and so when Optimus dies, I'm like, there it was. She's like, that's it. I'm like, you have you have no background with this. It's a, I, I had a bit of a game. I'm like, you got to understand, this was a hero to so many, and um, and in fact, when I saw Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, and they're doing the big fight in the forest, you know, he's like, run, Sam, and and the and the Decepticon comes up behind him and runs him through. I'm just like, don't make me see, don't make me watch this again. The first time I watched, I'm like, I can't believe I have to watch Optimus die twice. In one lifetime, it's terrible. And the funny thing is, in the cartoon, when they bring Optimus back the first time, he's an evil zombie. He's basically an evil zombie robot. He's being controlled, and he's he's a plant to to blow up the to kill the Autobots. It's like, so not only do you uh, kill him off when you bring him back the first time, you, you bring him back in such a way that he's a bad guy. But that's fine. It's you know, it all worked out in the end. And I think, and I'm, and I haven't seen like any of the the stuff that only aired in Japan, like the Headmasters and that sort of thing, the Power Masters. And I think Power Master Optimus Prime showed up in the cartoon. I'm not sure. I don't know, but it's one of those things that I, I don't speak speak Japanese, and 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 I don't like to read subtitles, so I haven't visited those, and I I don't know if there's like a English voice over anything. So maybe you Transformers fans can help me out with there. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. I love, I love the end of Transformers the movie when they finally get off the junk planet and they're headed to fight Unicron, and um, and you hear Dare building up, and you know it's just that that whole synth part, and then as they smash you, Dare, Dare to believe you can survive the power and when um when of course when hot rod picks up the matrix and you hear the voice of optimus arise rodimus prime oh so cool i had rodimus as a kid loved rodimus prime um at the toy uh, i had the power master optimus prime later i never got the original optimus prime but i did like having a leader i liked having rodimus prime and he was a cool looking futuristic looking toy 
Um, I didn't have a problem with the new Transformers when they came in, like Blur and Cup and those guys. I really like Blur. And Haley liked Blur. She's like, I like him. He's my favorite. Like immediately, when he comes up, he shows, he start, he shows up and he's talking all fast and everything. She's like, I like him. He's my favorite. And I'm like, but you haven't seen the Dinobots yet. <laughs> you haven't even seen Optimus yet. You don't know. Hot Rod's pretty cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's good stuff. I'll tell you who's a punk in that movie. God bless him is ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus is just a punk, you know, he doesn't, it's like, he's a soldier. And when the Decepticons show up, it's like, I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to try to immediately go light our darkest hour. And he open, open, dang it. And it's just like, come on, ultra Magnus fight. Why don't you? I think in later incarnations of, the Transformers, like in Armada or Robots in Disguise, they made Ultra Magnus and, and Optimus Prime like brothers. I like the look and the design of Ultra Magnus. The toy was great because it was basically that Optimus Prime cab, but you transformed him and you fit him into the way he got his color. You put a different head on him and you fit him into his trailer and everything. And so he was like that red, white, and blue look. I've always loved his look. I thought he was super cool. Um, you know, I just thought he was a bit of a punk in Transformers the movie. But anyhow... So that's kind of what I've been up to. And meanwhile, you know, the the geek uh, the geek gods have chosen to smile on us with a few trailers. And I thought we might uh, go through them together. First, there's this one. It's from Marvel Studios. It's 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 a long-awaited trailer. Uh, it's you know people have been looking forward to this for a while now. Uh, it's Captain Marvel. She's falling out of the sky, right into a roof which just happens to be a blockbuster video. So we're not in 2000s anymore. We're not in the 21st century anymore. War is a universal language. I know a renegade soldier when I see one. Never occurred to me that one might come from above. Now, it opens up after she falls into that. She's wearing the old school, like, Kree uniform. She's not in her Captain Marvel blue and red uniform with the gold starburst on the chest. She's she's in more of a Kree getup. It's kind of a blue and a bluish green look. Marvel Studios. Space Invasion. Big car chase. Truth be told, I was ready to hang it up till I met you today. So you're not from around here. Nick Fury it's with both his eyes. I keep having these memories. I see flashes. I think I had a life here. But I can't tell if it's real. We have no idea what threats are out there. We can't do this alone. We need you. I'm not what you think I am. And there's the end with her and her full-on Captain Marvel get-up. 
Carol Danvers. Now, this is when we get to Captain Marvel. It's something we're going to have to really talk about. I, you know, this looks like I, I'm my butt will be in the seat for this one. Uh, of course, it will be. Um, there is a there is a, a a shot of her walking out to a um, to a jet with a lady who may be Monica Rambeau. Uh, Monica Rambeau was um, Captain Marvel before Carol Danvers was going by Captain Marvel. She goes by Photon these days. And uh, she has some like light speed powers, that sort of thing. And um, she was an Avenger for a while, uh, particularly in the '90s. And um, and so, uh, you know, it, it could be her. I, I think it. May, I think there's a good chance. Maybe she had her own comic, uh, a short-lived comic in the '90s, um, when uh, is Captain Marvel the Supersonic Sensation Reborn. Um, and I never read it. I was very familiar with her from the pages of the uh, of the Avengers. Carol Danvers um, actually was Miss Marvel for a while, I believe is what she called herself, before she was Captain Marvel. Um, and she's gone through a lot of different incarnations in, in the comics. Uh, she's had the black kind of bodysuit with, you know, like a red sash around her waist and long blonde hair and wore a mask and then with the uh with the red and blue with the gold outfit she her she's cut her hair and she doesn't really wear a mask anymore really cool in this trailer to see like kree in their battle armor to see blue kree uh, i think maybe one of the people we see is not a human it's it may be a pink skin kree there's a whole thing about the different colored skin color tones of the kree um she was binary she was warbird she was Miss Marvel, the first incarnation of Miss Marvel back in the 70s. Um, the way this happened is, in the comics, is the original Captain Marvel of Marvel Comics, now not Shazam. Uh, he was a Kree warrior who had these things called Negabands. Uh, he was the guardian of the universe. Um, Marvel was his name. He was bonded with Rick Jones. Rick Jones! Um... Uh, from the Hulk comics and uh, they had their DNA fused um, and she got superpowers. So she's tied into the Cree this way. I don't know that they'll do Marvel. Uh, I'll be very happy if they do Captain Marvel, that Captain Marvel Marvel actually died on earth of cancer of all things. And, and he's one that to my knowledge, they teased bringing him back during, the invasion storyline during the secret invasion storyline and turns out it was a scroll, which is just an affront to everything Cree. We see a couple of scrolls in here, which really gets me jazzed up because to have scrolls, I'm not keen on them doing a secret invasion storyline necessarily in the movies. Uh, that got very convoluted. Look, I wasn't keen on them doing civil war and I love the civil war. So who am I to say Kevin Feige can't pull off a great, you know, can't pull together a team to pull off a great secret invasion storyline. But um, I was surprised that they had the scrolls because a lot of the rights stuff comes down to first appearances sometimes. And the scrolls' first appearance was in, um, in, the, in, in, the, in the pages of the Fantastic Four. In fact, they, they got... Um, it was Fantastic Four number two. And Mr. Fantastic actually tricked the scrolls hypnotized them into um, thinking they were cows. And that's where 
I think later on the Secret Invasion storyline, you find out that some people actually got superpowers from eating them because, you know, they were cows that ended up being slaughtered to be beef. So um, the Super Scroll is a scroll that um, has all those Fantastic Four superpowers. You know, he could never totally use them all at once and look like any one of them. You know, like, so it, 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 that was kind of sometimes the only way they could actually find him. But anyhow... Um, Super Scroll died a noble death in the pages of the Silver Surfer, but I've gotten way off of Captain Marvel. She's become a fixture in the Marvel comics uh, due to her affiliation with S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff of recent years, and I think it'll be, you know, look, it's it's going to be a Marvel movie. I think we'll love it. It's a 90s period piece. You know, you open with a blockbuster, and that's something I didn't even think of, and that's the thing that I love about the way that Marvel does some of these movies is you just don't think about some of these... Um, some of these little things and uh, like, like just having a blockbuster video there you think about, I mean, blockbuster was like the place to go in the nineties. I remember, and you'd always spend an hour just trying to figure out what you wanted to rent, you know, and you'd walk up and down these aisles and you wouldn't just hit the new releases. You'd, you'd go back and dig into some of the older stuff and, and, uh, and, you know, it's so funny to think that they've just gone the way of the Dodo because of things like Netflix and all, you know, and, and just like, you know, Blockbuster, when you scroll through Netflix, they don't necessarily have the, have the, uh, uh, the selection you wish they'd have in the same way, you know, you go to Hulu and look at their movies or Vudu or then, you know, whatever the case may be. And you're just like, oh man, it'd be great to be able to just go to the store and rent this real quick, you know? And I'm sorry, Redbox doesn't have it. Redbox is all about the new releases, you know. Um, it, it's but Blockbuster was just the you had to have a Blockbuster membership. And I got news for you: if you didn't know some late fees every time you walked in the door, I don't think you were doing Blockbuster right. <laughs> so yeah, Captain Marvel, looking forward to it. Um, and then they dropped this mess on us, which come on. There's a man running down we the street. Don't do we'd love then we wouldn't exist it's time kid it's like nothing really matters to him right now including me you gotta think real hard about this. Do you got people that need you now? I'm taking the fight. Victor Drago, son of Ivan Drago, yes. who infamously killed Apollo Creed, appeared today to issue a challenge to Adonis Creed. Don't do this. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and he died right here in my hands. That kid was raised in hate. It's dangerous. He broke things in me that ain't never been fixed. It ain't worth it. It's not just us anymore, Dave. I want to rewrite history. If you want to fight this man, that's your business. But don't pretend this is about your father. This here is all about my wife. My kids, the life that I live through the night, I was his. It was right, but I did my ups and downs, my slips. 
Thanksgiving, man. I haven't mentioned that Haley watched Rocky, the first Rocky. She loved it, and I've got to figure out how to get her to watch the rest so um, she won't be lost when we go watch Creed Two. Because I am, I, my butt is in the seat for that movie. Uh, just like when the original trailers for Creed hit, and they did a little bit of Eye of the Tiger thrown in there, when they just said dun, 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 right there at the end of the, oh my Atlanta, the idea of taking now listen. When you talk about the Rocky movies, everyone loves Rocky. I mean, it is the original. It is so good. It's a character piece. It's a love story disguised as a boxing movie. And it, and it, those characters, and I mean every single main character, Rocky, Adrian, Pauly, Mickey, you get to know them and you come to love them all differently on different levels. Um, and, and you fall in love with Rocky and Adrian. You get to the end of that movie, and Rocky has taken the beating of his life, and Adrian gets out there to the ring, and Rocky saw her last, you know, 45 minutes ago before he got the, the mess beat out of him. And while she was running to the ring, her, the hat that she was wearing gets knocked off. And the first thing he says is, is where's your hat? He's so into her, you know, and there's the moment, too, he goes late night to the ring, and he's looking around, you know, and he's just kind of getting a feel, and the promoter comes. He's like, hey, my, my shorts are wrong. It's supposed to be white with a red stripe. And the guy says, it doesn't really matter, does it? And it kind of dawns on Rocky in that moment. He's like, I don't have a chance. I can't do this. And so he goes back, and he tells Adrian, I can't do this. I don't have – and she says this, what are we going to do? She's there with him. She, I mean, that just – that one line. Let's you know that she's in it with him. And and so everyone loves Rocky. Rocky 2, he wins. It's fantastic. Spoiler alert. Rocky 3 begins the trend of the Rocky movies that will that'll go through 5 of being more of a product of its time than a story to transcend time. Uh, Rocky 3, I love. Don't get me wrong. I love Rocky 3. And it still does these great things of progressing these characters. Adrian goes from being someone who's like, don't fight, don't fight, to being on the beach saying, if you're going to do this, you need to do it for the right reasons. You don't do it for Apollo. You don't do it for me. You don't do it for Mickey. You do it for yourself to prove to yourself what you got. And, uh, you know, and you know how that ends. Rocky Four is the most guilty of all the Rocky movies of being a music video, an 80s music video. Um but that doesn't take away from what happens. Apollo dies. Apollo dies after James Brown dances, you know. And, and that's motivation for Rocky to go to Moscow and fight Drago. And, and um, you know, and, and 
but again, in, in Bill Conti and, and the falling out he had with Sylvester Stallone kind of takes away from how good that movie I think could be. Vince DiCola does a fine job, but it's that synthesizer stuff. I mean, it's a it's a straight up '80s movie, and there's jokes made. You know, Rocky stopped the Cold War, all this stuff, and um, and and so, you know, you can make jokes all you want, but even in that movie. There's a little bit of character progression that moves forward, and not as much in as in one, two, and three, but there's a little tiny bit. But it really is all about that fight. It really is all about here's the bad guy, here's the good guy. Let's get him in the ring and, and fight. Um, so to take four and to make it the emotional hinge of Creed two is genius to finally go back and truly focus on the death of Apollo Creed and, and what that really means to Rocky, what it really means to his family, what it really meant to his wife to go back and focus in on all that. I think is a genius. And you know, the nostalgia is there just to have Ivan Drago staring down Rocky in that one moment. You know, you don't know what's happened to Ivan Drago in, in the, in the aftermath of that fight, did he continue to fight? Is that the one blemish on his career? You know, obviously it doesn't look as though he had a change of heart. And so I, I'm there. I am there. You know, I loved the first Creed so much that I was so surprised at how much I loved it too. Sylvester Stallone's performance was something it, it was, it it was like Harrison Ford's performance of Han Solo in The Force Awakens, the same but different. And and there was so much, the character was in such a different place, you know. Even from Rocky Balboa, he was in a different place. And um, yeah, I, I'm i all about it. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. So, um, so that happened. And, uh, and this is the one that Haley sent me the text and said she's so excited for. We open up on a snow globe with a, light, with a lighthouse in it. And uh, we're getting some of this, uh, getting some of the story here. We won't, we won't sit here through five minutes of all of this, um, because it is so long. Smart move by DC and Warner Brothers. I, I say DC. We know it's Warner Brothers. Smart move by Warner Brothers to release a long trailer like this. You are the bridge. All right. Here's my one big problem of this is Aquaman is actually pushing up this submarine. I think it would have been cool to see him call some whales to do that rather than him. And see. Take your rightful place as king. Great juxtaposition of the water and everything to suddenly we're in a desert, um, you know, which is which is interesting. I was really worried about the red hair on on Mira because it's so bright. You know, I, I think they're trying to make it a little comic booky. Nothing. <laughs> It's been sitting here collecting dust since before the Sahara was a desert. Before the Sahara was a desert. Oh, 
Let's just say you do your best thinking when you're not thinking at all. All right, now hold still. Hey, what are you doing? We need water near the closest source. I mean, we're getting some full little scenes here, pretty much, you know, and we don't though we don't know the full context of what's going on. I'm going to move forward a little bit. It, it becomes about looking for a trident. You know, we're getting a lot of great shots of Atlantis. You know, I've heard some people say it's just a cartoon. There's so much CG and everything like that. Well, sure there is. We've got to go underwater. But I don't think that that's a... I don't think that that's a legit criticism of this. I think that you've got to give it a chance, see everything finished as it is in the theater, and, uh, and really look at this. I'm more concerned with the storyline being a little too fantastic for movie going audiences but i think it's i think what this movie is going to hinge on the characters i think it's going to hinge on people liking aquaman it would bring destruction but in the hands of the true heir it would unite all our kingdoms above and below Shouldn't we have written it down first? I memorized it, didn't you? Oh, yeah, oh. What did you just say? Something, something, trident. <laughs> uh, see, I think I'm going to like... And they've got giant seahorses they're riding. I mean, that's right out of Aquaman from back in the day in the cartoons, man. Some cool action shots. Haley did say, she's like, I don't know about all the robots. I'm like, those are people in armor. And then here he comes, right here. Y'all. Black Manta. Looking like he looked like he stepped right out of Super Friends or right out of the comic book page. Um, this is a villain who you could have never convinced me I'd seen in real life. He was always one of the most interesting things. To look. I was introduced to him through the Super Friends. Uh, challenge of the Super Friends. And he was always one of the most interesting characters to look at. I don't know much about him outside of that, except that he's like Aquaman's arch nemesis. It, when you talk about where we've gone with Warner Brothers properties uh, in the 2000s, Batman begins, you know, it's Ra's al Ghul. It makes sense. It's an origin story. That's fine, you know, but the other, the other bad guy there is the Scarecrow. There's not really someone you would call an arch nemesis for Batman. You, when you think of Batman's arch nemesis, you think the Joker. You know, we haven't got a decent... I know in Gotham, you know, we've got the Penguin. I don't know that he's a decent Penguin, but we've gotten the Penguin. But we haven't got a decent Penguin on screen. I'd love, I love the Riddler, and we really hadn't got him since the days of Jim Carrey. Um, I think what they're doing on Gotham with the Riddler has been good. Um, Superman, you know, we got Lex Luthor in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and... Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, that's one of those things. It's like it, it, it kind of fell short, you know, but when there's so many other Superman villains that they could do a bizarro now, you know, that we're in this world where we may be able to do that or a, or, or, or a parasite or, you know, Mongol, you know, do a big alien invasion, you know, with Mongol or a cyborg Superman I don't want, you know, they try to do Doomsday, but, you know, you get into these, but the, we always wait on that. You know, Zod, they came right out with Zod, and I don't really think of Zod as an arch nemesis. Zod is more of a, I'm sorry, Zod's more of a plot device than anything. Um, you know, because you've got to get rid of him quick. He's not someone that can continue to plague Superman. To come out in the Aquaman movie and boom, there's, there is 
someone that you think of as Aquaman's arch nemesis? Come on. Who the hell are you? That's Black Manta. Or Black Mantis. No, Black Manta. I'm surprised at how much appears to be happening on land here, you know? I mean, that's one of those things that you see. You know, obviously they're trying to get back to the water, but um, I think it's a great thing. They've surprised us with a lot with some land action here in this. And then as you, I'm, I'm just blowing through real quick to get to a couple of things because there is finally the big shot. And again, it's it's a brilliant thing that they're doing um, with this character because as he steps up at the end, he's got the orange scaly shirt. He's got the green pants, the green gloves. He's carrying that trident. He is Aqu Aquaman. That's who he is. And that shot alone, I'm there. I am right there. You know, don't don't think I ain't, cause I am. Aquaman, December twenty first. Come go with me, cause I will be there. Uh, I just look. I love superheroes, and and I think that um, I I think that as we get into um, these movies, a lot of times we lose sight of actually what we're getting. I'm guilt. I'm as guilty as the next guy. I haven't revisited Superman, Batman, Superman, Dawn of justice, you know, because I, I haven't really had time. I've wanted to, um, just to give it another couple of chances, because the one thing I have to remind myself is there's stuff they're putting on screen these days that I never thought they would. And, and maybe it's not fair to look at a movie this way, but, Watch Batman Forever. Watch, not Batman Forever. I like Batman Forever. Watch Batman and Robin. You know, go back and watch. For all of you people that hate Superman 4, I like Superman 4. Watch Superman 4. Watch the Swamp Thing movie. Watch Swamp Thing 2. You know, go back and watch Marvel's Punisher they put out in the early 90s or the Captain America from the early 90s. Um, watch the Fantastic Four that never got released. You know, watch these things and see what they were trying to give us in those days. And, and how little effort they put into these superhero franchises or how much they changed, even in the early 2000s, when, when this whole thing really started. You think back to the original X-Men, Brian Singer's X-Men. They all wear black leather suits because no one's going to buy them. And they even make a joke about, would you prefer yellow spandex? You know, th There was no attempt to try to even reflect what what was on the comic book page in a creative way because well people just won't buy it green goblin in the first spider-man you know um he was accused of looking like a power ranger yeah and, and can't you know power ranger outfit not the face of course um you get to you get to things like that, the Daredevil movie, you know, with Bullseye, you get into um, a lot of those early 2000 movies where they just didn't trust stuff or feel like they could pull it off. And so they backed down rather than push the medium forward and push to do it. They, eh, I don't know that we can. It really did take uh, Iron Man, you know, looking like Iron Man. And I'm talking about all stages of that armor, you know, from the Mark I looking like he stepped off of the original comic book page uh, 
uh, right up to the the yellow and or the golden red. You know, um, you get into Captain America. You know, Captain America is very much inspired by the ultimate version of Captain America, the Mar the the ultimate universe version of Captain America. But even when you get into the the Avengers, you know, and his costume's a little bit more comic booky. It's like it's not right off the page, but it's recognizable. Same thing with Thor. You know, they didn't do the winged helmet, but they did as kind of a ceremonial thing at the beginning. Fantastic. I'm fine with that. You know, they did the color scheme and everything. The bright, you know, the blue with the red cape, you know, he had that cape rocking and all that good stuff. And, and even Jane, it's a really good look and it is. And so when you come to a movie like Aquaman, yes, it's going to be CG. People can't hold their breaths or talk underwater. You know, that can't hold their breaths that longer talk underwater. Of course, it's going to be some CG happening, but there's also this aspect of we're getting to see things on screen. We've never seen before. Should the movie be good? Yes. Is it good enough just to have these things that we've never seen before? No, it's not all good enough, but it's good enough to give it a chance. You know, it's good enough not to look at seven minutes worth of movie that we've seen and say, I'm writing it off because I don't like what DC's done. If you're a superhero geek, you know that Aquaman, regardless of the jokes that have been made about him in all these years, because they did start really making jokes, but all he does is talk to fish. Aquaman really is part of that legends uh, of the DC universe. He's part of the pantheon of the DC universe. When you go back to the Fleischer cartoons of the 60s, you had the Superman Aquaman hour, and it was successful. Aquaman's one of the original members of the Super Friends. And, and, I, and I reference those things because they were in pop culture. Aquaman, to me, because I watch the Super Friends, is always one of the top-tier heroes of the DC Universe. When I saw Grant Morrison's JLA number 1 on the stands back in the late 90s, and I saw Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and Flash and Green Lantern, there was Aquaman, and it was right that he was there. And there's even a, there's even a moment when they're fighting the, the White Martians, and one says, what do you do, talk to fish? And he's like... Well, it's a tele it's a telepathic thing. I can actually touch a part of your brain, you know, that's uh, you know, that can give you a seizure. And the and the uh, you know the, the the alien just goes nuts. And so, as I look at these things, I'm like, of course I'm going to go so watch this movie. Of course I'm going to go sit down. They're going to get my money. Will they get repeat viewings? It depends on if it's good or not. And what's going to drive this being good is not the imagery that we're seeing necessarily, but the story then the imagery is what's getting me the idea of an aquaman movie is getting me into the theater what's going to bring me back is good story good character and it seems like with this movie just as it does with shazam that warner brothers is maybe mandating that they lighten up a little bit and don't try to be so dark and don't try to be so much smarter than the source material that it turns off fans there is a way to universally attract these characters hear what i'm saying these characters have stood the test of time superman has been around now for nearly 80 years um that's right i'm doing my math right batman's the same thing batman's the same way wonder woman very close to that aquaman not far off from that mark these characters have stayed around for this long, have become ingrained in the pop culture. 
because at the core of who these characters are, they appeal to mass audiences. And if you can capture that, and that's what Marvel has done so well, it's not about pop music. It's not about pop culture references. It's not just about the humor. Number one, it is the actors that embody these people. But then two, it's the material they're given that resonates so much with not just comic book fans, but the way the stories are told has resonated so well with general movie-going audiences. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because what we find when we get into these films and these characters are there as we know them and the hearts of those characters and the core of those characters are intact, what we find is they become a unifying thing. If, if everyone is going to see Avengers Infinity War, if Avengers Infinity War is this event that everyone can talk about, guess what? Regardless of your opinion of it, we now have something that unites us. We now have something that gives us common ground. Now, don't go into these things looking for some reason to find dissent or a lack of common ground, you know, but that's, and I think that's the key to the geek community. That's always, I didn't know I was going to go off on this tangent. This is one of the things, though, that I love about superheroes is that's one of the things that has always united us as much as it's divided us is our, is our common love for these things. And when we come together to talk about these things, even when we have differing opinions, we come together and we begin to talk. The conversation should devolve into what we love about these things. And what we'll find ourselves doing is agreeing with one another, suggesting comic book story arcs, because you're suggesting other mediums to, to check out these characters and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and Aquaman, Aquaman has the opportunity to blow everyone's. This is the, this is the movie that should be no good whatsoever and is and has only looked better the more we've been in but the more we the more we've spent time with this character since Justice League this movie has only looked better and better and better it's it's just like really truly truly aquaman is the guardians of the galaxy for the dc movies it has no business being any good and it looks like it may just be good so um yeah awesome awesome it, it's so good to see um to see that coming out and i love that five minute uh deal there uh finally we're going back to transformers with this little ditty i'm charlie watson i'm 18 today actually is the beetle for sale yours kid happy birthday let me just stop right here real quick and tell you i don't like like reaction videos i feel like people put on a show for these things i know that we put the camera on derek and i for the finale of smallville and it was always kind of in the back of my mind the camera's on me you know so i need to ham it up a little bit so i'm not really into the reaction videos as people watch this stuff but if you could have gotten a reaction of me watching this trailer, this is the second trailer for Bumblebee. At this point, you would have seen me be like, okay, you know, I, cautious optimism. A little bit of skepticism, if I'm being honest. 
This is a really cool moment when she comes across his face. They did the Transformer sound there. It was just kind of slowed down, broken up a little bit in between the rest of what's going on. What are you? So you have no idea where he came from? No idea. Well. Here's the deal. People can be terrible about things they don't understand. From now on, the only person you can show yourself around is me. Oh, I'm, I'm good. Now I'm good, thanks. Triple changers. There's a war raging on our planet. If this criminal isn't found, that war may find its way here. Is there anyone that can help you? Do you have a family? Oh, who would be? They're calling an army. All right, look. Number one, they're talking to John Cena, and, and some people said, well, John Cena's going to be the bad guy when, when those triple changers are talking to him, saying there's this person, this, this and they show him Bumblebee, and like, he's going to bring a war to this planet. So obviously John Cena, to prevent that, is going to put up against, you know, fight against Bumblebee. I'm making a prediction right now. John Cena sees the light, and he comes around to the good guys. Then as we get to this scene when he says they're calling an army, um, we come to Cybertron, and there is Shockwave as we know him from the 80s. Oh, my Atlanta! He looks like the cartoon in real life. This isn't the big giant Shockwave of uh, Transformers 3 with the big thing that he's riding on and everything. This is like Shockwave, purple Shockwave with a gun arm. And behind him, there's Starscream. There's a couple of the other, uh, the, 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 the planes that are there on Cybertron. Oh, my Lanta. Now, at this point, if you were watching me when I saw the trailer, I, I was gobsmacked. I was just like, again, I was really like, oh, Triple Changers, that's pretty cool. And then this comes up. I'm like, shut your mouth. Just take my money. Just end the trailer right there and take my money. But it gets better. An army. We're on Cybertron, and we're seeing these planes. If you go back and watch the original Transformers cartoon, and you watch the um, you, you watch the first few episodes when they start out on Cybertron, uh, the planes are like these little flying pyramid type shapes, and that's what we're seeing here on Cybertron I've in this little quick hand. shot. These things really are. And I said from the get go, we just saw a a, a shot of a transformer turning from a jet he's got some red highlights i really do think that starscream i don't think this is one of those triple changers he is a jet i think it's starscream bumblebee then shows charlie an image of optimus prime and it's not optimus prime as we know him from the rest of the bay movies it's optimus prime as we know him from the 80s bumblebee there is only one way to end. And there's Soundwave and he's injecting Ravage. You must protect Earth and its people. Take it down. I back me. This is how 
we stop them. You've got me. And I'm not going anywhere. Come on, you're not going to be there for that? I think we'll all be there for that. I love it. I Listen, I know there's continuity questions and everything. Let's not worry about continuity, okay? Continuity was thrown out when we got to the Knights of the Round Table, for crying out loud. Let's just, I think you got to take these things and go with them a story at a time and just, just bask in it, you know? This is, this is glorious. It's so glorious. It bring it, this is look. I was not stoked about a Bumblebee movie. I'm not gonna lie to you, and I have a problem with her naming him Bumblebee and all this stuff. Oh, I, you don't know that, do you? There was a little preview shown, and she kind of before the um before the Transformers the movie thing, and I think that's where I saw where she actually gives him the name Bumblebee. But you know what? At the end of the day, okay, fine. You know how do the rest of them know that he's Bumblebee? But uh, it's great. I look. Again, this is one of those things. My butt will be in the seat for this movie. And we never got it in the Michael Bay movies. I had Stan Bush on this podcast, and we talked about the desire to have um, to have the touch played in those new Transformers movies and how there were different places where they could fit in. In fact, I, I always thought, or I have thought since Revenge of the Fallen, that when Sam <clears throat> wakes up, comes to life, whatever he does, you know, and the Matrix is there, you know, as he's waking up, that's when the dun, 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 you got the touch, and he takes that Matrix and puts in, I just think that's the perfect place to start playing the touch under everything that goes on, you know. I think it's just great. I think that is the perfect place for that. Um, you know, Stan Bush tried to, Hip up the touch, you know, make it a little more Lincoln Parkish. Do a little minor key action here. Remember this, Sam's theme, the touch. You know this version. You got the touch. You got the power. hands break it loose. You're in the eye of the storm. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. So there are some people who are like, oh, that's an abomination. But he was trying to catch the attention, you know, and be a part of this 
Transformers universe. And I don't blame Stan Bush for that at all. But listen, there's no better movie to think where we could end up with this mess. What? What is this? That's not the right one. Here, how about this? Well, this is a different mix. This is a guitar mix. Let's just go to the original. How about that? How about, how about Bumblebee starts to do his thing and... You got the touch. You got the power. Oh, come on, everybody. Guitar for me, come on! All right, really quickly, who was right? So, okay, I've just got a got something in the chat coming from our buddy Maui Mark. He says that was Rodimus Prime. Maui, who was Rodimus Prime? Did I miss something in that trailer about who about about Hot Rod or Rodimus Prime being in that Bumblebee trailer, or was? Or, or are we just going to give this to Rodimus Prime from the original movie? Is that what you mean? I'm just saying, this is a great opportunity to bring this song back to the forefront in, in the movie, the theme. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I know. But, but the song, look, the song, The Touch, transcends just Rodimus Prime. Um, in fact, the first place we hear it in Transformers the movie is when Optimus Prime says, Megatron must be stopped no matter the cost. And then we hit the touch and, and like it's played. And then it comes back around when he's like, rise, Rodimus Prime. If anything, it's more of a matrix theme, more of a, you know, matrix of leadership theme. Um, I, I don't think that, but the, the song itself represents all of Transformers and the idea of rising above and that sort of thing. So I, I, yeah, I think it's a perfect place for it. But anyhow, uh, so listen, we've gotten a lot of good trailers. Uh, the end of the year into um, uh, the um, into the end of the year into 2019. Captain Marvel. I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Captain Marvel mostly as a. I'll be honest with you. Though I love seeing the scrolls, though I love the the original Kree battle armor and stuff we're seeing, I, I really like the imagery. I'm hoping we get the supreme intelligence. I'm hoping we see 
pink scrolls, blue scrolls. I mean, pink Cree, blue Cree. I hope we see, uh, obviously we're going to see the Cree homeworld. Um, I hope that we get, uh, I hope we get a, a run in with Ronan, the accuser, you know, kind of like a, Hey, there's Ronan, you know, and, and that, and we all know how he ends up, you know, with the guardians later on. I, but I really think that what I'm most interested in with Captain Marvel is the last few minutes of the movie and the end credits. You know, the last few minutes of the movie very well could be kind of a flash forward to modern day. In credits could very well be her getting her beeper, you know, her her message from uh, from Fury as Fury fades away at the end of Infinity War. Um, you know, that could be the post credit sequence, whatever the case may be. But more than anything that movie, I'm looking forward to that post credits because the character Captain Marvel when it's not Marvel hasn't really appealed to me in the comics. Um, she's been so many different things and been on such a big journey here and there. And she's been around, you know, now for 30 years, 30 plus years th that to me, it's a character that never quite landed. Um, and, and so, you know, th they've got, they've got a little bit longer way to go with me than some of the other stuff they've done in the Marvel universe, uh, the Marvel cinematic universe, but, but I'll still be there. Aquaman, the, the, that second trailer, that extended five minute trailer kind of blew my socks off. I, I, I understand what Warner brothers is doing in trying to market this thing. I think they need to start now in October, really marketing the heck out of this thing, getting it into the pop culture vernacular, you know, putting spots on, football games, TV spots and football games. I, I know it's too far out to really start with TV spots, but they, they really need to, to get as much, you know, chop up that five minutes into as many 30 second little spots as they can, just to really start to pique people's interest. Because I know for me in the past, if I was on the fence about a movie, the more I'd see a trailer or different trailers or different TV spots, the more it would end up being like, I need to go see that. It worked with the force awakens. I mean, I think that's part of the appeal or part of the reason so many people went to see The Force Awakens. But I'm there. Creed 2, you know I'm there. Bumblebee, you know I'm there. I mean, like, look, we're and we'll geek out about all these things as as we move forward, um, you know, into the future here with Geek Out Loud. So because Geek Out Loud's not going anywhere. Geek Out Loud's going to be around. We'd love to hear from you. Geek out online at gmail.com. Geek out online at gmail.com. We're so thankful for our Patreon supporters. I'd love to hit 135 by the end of October. If you're willing and you're able, we're putting up some good content over there. It's been a lot of fun to do so with Shaz and now with Arish and Adam. We're having fun. Speaking of Adam, check out his latest offering on the bookshelves. It's the Marvel Studios Visual Dictionary. And they've got everything in here. He's got everything in here from, uh, from Iron Man through... Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy and beyond. And, and it's done in kind of a little bit of chronological order. Um, a lot of different characters, you know, sections devoted to characters, even some minor characters or some side characters, uh, villains, uh, like I say, supporting cast, that sort of thing. We really get into it. He gets into a lot of it, and it's and it's a great, cool layout. You know, you can just kind of flip through, and it's one of those books you can just stop anywhere you want to, and 
and check out things. There's a whole section here on the multiverse and, and what that's about, brought into us by Doctor Strange. And uh, so, yeah, I would I would definitely encourage you to pick it up. It's a great coffee table book with a lot of great pictures and images. And uh, Adam's a great guy and put a lot of hard work into it. So check it out. It's the Marvel Studios Visual Dictionary. It's on bookshelves now. Wherever you buy books from, you can pick it up. Geek Out Online, as I said, at gmail.com. Geek Out Online at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you over there. And uh, through an email, the Facebook group is Guardians of the Goliverse. Now, you have to answer a couple of questions when you join up, but we'd love to have you over there. We've got a great community, uh, a lot of great conversations going on over on our Guardians Facebook page. Hey, the Amazon links are still there. We really need you to click those Amazon links when you do your shopping through Amazon, especially as you're getting ready to do all your Christmas and holiday shopping. Please use the links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Clear your cookies before you go to make sure that we get credit for referencing you to that place. You don't spend any extra money. We don't know what you're doing or we don't get any personal information on you. We just get a little kickback for referring you to Amazon through that. And we appreciate you guys helping us out with that. I hope to be back with a new Geek Out Loud sooner than later. Thank you so much for your patience and us getting this out. For those of us, for those who join us in the Mixler Zoo crew at mixler.com slash thanks for staying up late with us. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud, and we hope to have Scott Rifen and another Marvel Universe and MU read-through. We'll see you then, everybody. Have a great one.